This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's scripture text is from Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to the light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For, no, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said this, The kingdom of God, as this of a man, should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprout and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is God's word. Well, good morning. Um, again, as, as Rue mentioned, um, my name is Eric Stites, and uh, it, it really is an honor uh, to be with you this morning to, to bring the word, and, and yes, the answer is I, I am tired. Uh, we have had a ton of things going on. Um, but I want to say this. I love my job. I love my job. Um, it, it's, it's very hard, um, and it's, it's, long, it's long enduring, um, but there's nothing I'd rather be doing. And so I want to say thank you, first of all, um, to this congregation uh, for allowing me and, and, and our group to uh, continue uh, to see what God would do um, in, in our community and to see the church being planted. It really is, it really is amazing. Um, and, and yes, you caught me at a busy time, um, no doubt. And so Ted's advice to me um, this morning when I asked him, hey, Ted, you got to help me out here. Just, just tell me what to preach. Don't, don't give me a wide open book because I'm, I'm not going to be able to pick anything. He said, uh, just have fun and keep it to 25 minutes. So, um, <laughs> that's, so I actually don't have anything written up here. It's just blank. I'm just kidding. Um, so... I'll try, to, I'll try to do both of those things. But, but yes, um, we have had camp going on. Um, three weeks ago, uh, we took uh, some kids to Missouri uh, for a camp called Kids Across America. Um, and yes, in the middle of all that, we've had a Bible study going on on Thursday nights. And um, we have VBS in a couple of weeks. Uh, we had a three-on-three basketball tournament this past weekend. So we're busy, uh, and we're loving it. Um, 
And, and so this morning, uh, because, because I'm busy and we're busy, um, like last week, we're, we're going to take a break from the See and Display series that, that has been going on. Um, and, and instead, you guys are going to get to jump in uh, to where, uh, what we've been doing on Thursday night uh, with our Bible study. So I have to apologize to um, uh, the core group because uh, they've already heard this, basically. Um, but uh, you need to hear it again, just like me. So. But what have we been doing? We've been reading and teaching through the book of Mark. Why? Why did I pick Mark? Well, Mark is one of those, it's, it's, it's the shortest of the Gospels. Uh, and, and it's fast-paced. It gets us to the cross very quickly. It, it just gives us the, the pertinent information. Um, it tells us what Jesus did. Uh, and, and that's perfect for where we are as a church. And, and that's uh, what we need as we begin our ministry. So let me uh, turn our attention uh, to the passage. You know, uh, this whole chapter, chapter four of Mark, you, you could say that the subtitle for the, for the whole chapter is Parables of the Kingdom. Why would I say that? Parables of the Kingdom. Well, twice in our passage alone, um, in verse 26, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this. And then in verse 30, he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or, or what parable can we use for it? Now, here's the thing. Many of us feel like this kingdom of God thing. Like, what, what is that? What is the kingdom of God? It doesn't feel very central to, to, to Christianity. When we hear it, we, um, when we hear about it, or sometimes we, we, maybe we see it misrepresented in a, in a movie, uh, like the kingdom of God, that the kingdom advances only with the sword. Um, we, we're, we're just unfamiliar with it. But the only thing that we're concerned with most of the times, right, is our, is our personal salvation. Man, just get me to heaven. Uh, I don't really care about God's kingdom. Just, just get me to heaven. Well, let me tell you. God's kingdom is your salvation. God's kingdom is your salvation. And I think one of the, t- the reasons that we have a hard time with this idea of the kingdom of God is because we're not in one. We're not in a kingdom. And, and let's be honest, we're not in a kingdom because we don't like kingdoms. We just celebrated Independence Day, right? Where we celebrate our independence from what? The kingdom of Great Britain. Having one person that has all the authority and all the power and all the say-so in my life, man, that just makes us want to throw up. And so what do we do? We create a system where if we don't like you after four years, we kick you out. And even if we like what you're doing, you got eight years to prove it, and that's it. And then you move on. We're resistant to this idea of a kingdom, and you better believe that this resistance bleeds over into the kingdom of God, too. We're resistant to it. It's all good. It's all good. Insofar as I have the last word, right? As far as I have the last word and I can oust the king when I'm ready. Well, my goal for us this morning is that we would see that the life that is offered in the kingdom and that we would surrender to the king who rules in that kingdom. And so this morning, we we have four parables. Um, If you uh, look in your worship folder, you'll, you'll actually see them listed out. I made sure that you could see them clearly. There's five paragraphs, but... The first four things, are, are, first four paragraphs are the parables. And Jesus is giving us four pictures. That's what a parable is. It's just a picture. And so as you can imagine this morning, um, the four parables are my, my four points. Now, the last time I preached, um, I think I gave you two points. This time I'm giving you four. At some point I'll become Presbyterian and give you three. Um, but for the time being, remember, have fun, 25 minutes. We're going to break the rules. So the four points this morning are the long-awaited kingdom, the growth of the kingdom, 
life in that kingdom, and the king of the kingdom. So first, the long-awaited kingdom. The way we're going to do this is we're going to start at the last parable and work our way back up. So if you're looking at uh, your worship folder, look at verses 30 to 32. And Jesus tells us the kingdom is like this. He says, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, you've, heard this, you've probably heard this passage before. And at first read, it's, it's a little bit awkward, isn't it? Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a tree. Well, that's a little bit uh, not menacing, right, for a kingdom. We, we want a kingdom that's going to take over the whole world. And Jesus says, hey, it's like a tree. Um, doesn't sound like the tree is going to go out on the offensive and beat the other kingdoms. And so we typically read this passage and we say, okay, I get it. The kingdom of God starts small and it, and it gets big. And we move on. I guess that's all Jesus had for us right there. I guess it's going to get big. And that's true. That is a part of it. But there's so much more here. Um, Tim Keller helped me to, to see this, so I'm, I'm borrowing from him uh, for sure for the next little bit. But I think what he brought out is, is crucial for us. Look, what Jesus is saying here is that the kingdom that Jesus is talking about is the kingdom that you have been waiting for. It's the kingdom that the world has been waiting for. How do we know this? Well, in verse 24, it tells us again that this tree puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. That doesn't sound very significant, but remember this. Trees in the Bible stand for something very significant. Uh, Trees stand for what? They stand for protection. Protection from the beating sun by providing shade. Trees stand for a dwelling place, a place large enough that everyone's got room in this tree place to rest and make a home. A tree stands for provision, a place where you can find food from the fruit that it bears. A tree stands for strength, a place that's deeply rooted so that when the storms of life come, this tree is not going anywhere. So a tree stands for, for life, for a place that's thriving. Tree stands for life. Tree stands for life. As we start to think about trees in the Bible, there should be one tree that starts to come to mind that the Bible talks about. You see, when Jesus mentions his kingdom as a tree, it should take us way back, way back, all the way to the first chapters of the Bible in Genesis. To what tree? The tree of life. The tree of life represented all that God intended for us to have by being in relationship with him when he created us. What did he intend for us? He intended for us to have that provision without struggling. He intended for us to have health without disease. He intended for us to have relationships with one another. That like Adam and Eve were able to walk around naked and unashamed. Relationships that were vulnerable. That's what God would have for us. And so to summarize, the tree of life represented us having God's face. The tree of life represented us having God's presence to be with him and have perfect relationship with him. But what happened? We know the story, unfortunately, gets messed up right there. Right? Adam and Eve, they sin by what? They're trying to establish their own kingdom. That's why Jesus has to tell us about a kingdom. They're trying to establish their own kingdom, not trusting that all that God has for them in this tree of life 
all that he's represented there is for their good. They wanted something better, they thought. And so what was their penalty? Well, they're banned from the garden. And if you remember, there was something that was banning them from coming back to the, the garden. And it was guarding what? It was a sword guarding their way back to the tree of life. And so you see, from that point forward, all of humanity was waiting to get back to that tree. We just need to get back to that tree, to that place where we had God's face. And we've been trying to figure it out in our own ways. But Jesus is saying, look, that long-awaited kingdom, that, that getting back to that tree, it's right here, right now. That place where there's no sin and no disease and, and no injustice, no broken relationships, no poverty, no divorce, no injustice, no racism, no sexual immorality, no slander, no anger. Jesus is saying, it's here. We're returning back to that place. You have God's face again. That's what Jesus is telling us. The long-awaited kingdom. Now, one point of application. If you look around you, uh, you would say, all right, Jesus, it's been 2,000 years. I don't see the kingdom. Where is it at? Right? You look around you, and all you still see is, is brokenness. And I would say you're right. It is here, but it's not here all the way. It's been started, but it's not yet complete. Remember the, the rest of the parable. He says it starts as a mustard seed, the smallest seed in the garden, and yet it's going to grow into a large tree. And so that's where we, we come back to it starting small and getting big is hopeful for us. It should provide hope that nothing is going to get in the way of this kingdom coming. And Jesus even invites us, doesn't he? He says, pray to that end. He says, pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus says, pray. Pray that the kingdom will come more and more. That's our prayer right here in this place at New City. It's our, it's our prayer um, for the city of Orlando. For us at Paramore Ave, it's our prayer for our neighborhood. Would the kingdom of God come? And Jesus tells us it's coming. Well, when we see that this is the kingdom that the world has been waiting for, um, it, it makes us say, it make, makes me say anyway, that I want more of that. Don't you want more of that? And so in the second point, uh, we find out, how does this kingdom grow? How does this kingdom grow? So moving on to the second point, you can move on to the next parable up from where we just were in verses 26 and 20 through 29. And Jesus tells us this story. He says, this is how the kingdom grows. He says, it's like a man who sows seed on the ground. And then he goes to sleep and he gets up every day and the seed begins to grow. And the question that he's implying is, how does it grow? How does it grow? And so the, the, the other question is, how does the kingdom grow? Well, verse 27 tells us, kind of a letdown. The farmer says, I don't know. <laughs> 27, he says, he knows not how. The farmer stumped, Jesus says. He can't figure it out. He plants the seeds, but he can't get inside that seed and, and, and make it grow. And so we come to the, the first of two ways that I think Jesus is telling us about the growth of the kingdom. The first one is that it's by God's power. The kingdom of God grows by God's power. Look at the beginning of verse 28. Right after he says, the farmer doesn't know how, Jesus says, the earth produces by itself. 
So he tells us that it's the earth that produces by itself. And that phrase, by itself, is actually it's where we get our word automatic. And it's often used to describe how, how the earth will actually produce plants without any help uh, from, uh, from mankind. It produces on its own. So here, there's, there's no green thumb necessary. And trust me, for my sake, that's the kind of gardening uh, that I need. He says the seed is sown and it begins to grow. You can't force it to grow because you don't have the power to do it. And God does. Listen, my, my aunt, she does have the green thumb, all right? Um, she, she lives on a huge plot of land, beautiful place. And she has a section of her property that many years ago she planted ivy. Um, and in the middle of this ivy, she, she placed this kind, friendly sign. Um, it says, grow, darn it. Um, except it doesn't say darn it, but nonetheless, grow. Now, now she knows that's a foolish sign, obviously. Um, she knows that she can't make the seeds grow. That's what makes it funny. She knows that all she can do is plant the seed, and from there the earth takes over. Well, we know it's crazy to get down on our hands and knees and yell at seeds in the ground to make them grow, don't we? Well, so it is with the kingdom. You can't yell at it to make it grow. You can't stomp your feet and be impatient with God that the kingdom is not coming. Um, it's no good. You're not in control of God's kingdom. And that's frustrating for us. His kingdom is growing, but it's growing not by your power, um, but by his. Now, as, as I mentioned already, part of our summer um, activities was to take a group of kids um, to Missouri, to a camp called Kids Across America, and I really don't know at some, at some level what I was thinking, um, driving 17 hours um, in a van, two vans. Um, it was a little bit crazy. It was a gamble to go up there. Hadn't, I hadn't been there before. I didn't know what to expect. Some of the guys had, had never been out of, out of Florida. Not only am I not going to take them to Georgia or Mississippi, we're going to go all the way to Missouri. Why not? Let's just go all the way. Well, let me tell you, after the first day of camp, we were, we were a mess. Every one of the guys said, what is this place? <laughs> Where did you bring me? Um, we want to go home. Take me home. They talk about Jesus too much here. They talk about Jesus too much. So I walked away from that meeting saying, oh, my goodness, what, what did I do? Here we are, a thousand miles away, stuck. But... But as the week wore on, seeds were planted. And just four or five days after that initial meeting, six out of the 13 guys that we brought had prayed to receive Christ for the first time in their life. Now that is God's power. But the best part is I, I can't take any credit for it because I wasn't even a part of it all. <laughs> the counselors were there planting seeds. When we returned home, I got this text from my mom. She said this, I was so excited to hear about my son's experience at camp, and the first thing he wanted to tell me is how he got saved and was ready to make some real changes in his life. It sent chills all over. You and your program have made a life impact on him. I see it already. I'm eternally grateful. Now, that's beautiful except for one part. I didn't have the impact. She credited the wrong person. I didn't make the difference. <laughs> like the farmer that went to sleep and got up the next morning saying, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. That's how I went to sleep every night. At camp, wondering how is this all going to turn out. But God showed me. It was his power at work, not mine. 
And so when everyone was telling me how mad they were to be there, I wanted to yell at them and say, grow, <laughs> right? Grow. Well, it was God doing the, doing the growing. And that's exactly what he did. And that keeps on going. We got back into town. Um, we've been doing camp. We've been talking about, like I said, how to grow as, as, as a believer. And uh, one of the guys after one of the Bible studies came up to me and said, listen, okay, I heard something in, in, that you said, and you talked about how we can't do these things on our own. Um, there's something at camp we talked about that said that uh, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we can't. Is that, is that sort of what you're talking about? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. That's God. That's God's power. So the kingdom grows by God's power, but it also grows by God's process. God's process. Well, what do I mean? Look at verse 28. Again, the earth produces by itself, but then Jesus says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. In other words, Jesus is telling us the growth of the kingdom is a long, slow process. So slow you can't see it. And if you stare at it, you probably will wonder if anything is actually happening. A watched pot doesn't boil. A watched kingdom doesn't seem to grow. But we see this playing out in our own lives because we, we look at the world around us, like I said before, and we say, where's the kingdom? We look at our own hearts and we say, where's the kingdom? But yeah, Jesus says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Why is this so frustrating to us? Well, as if you're like me, you want the fast food, the microwave, the high-speed internet, the email on my phone, uh, the six-packs abs in two, two minutes a day, the plastic surgery, the Netflix downloading on my TV kind of Christianity, right? Now, that's not God's process. His process is a little more like barbecue. I, I love barbecue, and again, my group, I've heard this like three times now, so I'm sorry, y'all, but... Um, <laughs> We like it. We, we like high and fast. Get it to me now. What's the name of the game for barbecue? Low and slow. You can't microwave barbecue. You've got to wait like 8, 10, 12, maybe more hours uh, to get that final product. And what's been happening in that time? The flavors of, of the rub and the smoke, they're being absorbed into the meat. And what started out as one of the most toughest pieces of meat now is, is what? Tender and juicy. If only Four Rivers was open on Sunday. <laughs> Maybe they will be after this, and I'm going to get a cut. Look, it sounds like our hearts, though, right? The way God massages his kingdom into our hearts, low and slow. He takes hearts of stone and melts them into hearts of flesh over the course of a lifetime. I'm going to take this one step farther. I'm going to apply it to your life. I think CBR is like barbecue. Maybe that's why I've begun to like it more and more. But it's, it's low and slow. You know, some of us go to CBR and we get so disappointed because we want the microwave, right? We go and we say, all right, Lord, here I am. Fix me up. I came, I'm ready. Quick, I slept in, though. I'm late, late for work. I got to go take the kids to school. Grow, darn it. All right, that's how we come to CBR. Well, the kingdom of God takes roots uh, and grows in our hearts when we let the seeds be planted regularly. And the change we see in our hearts is, oh, ever so slow sometimes, agonizingly slow. My heart was so cold sometimes when I came to CBR, Rue had to remind me, sometimes you, know, you have to come to the, the fire over and over again just to get unnumb, right? You have to come to the fire just to warm yourself by it a little bit. So I want to encourage you, 
First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But it's growing. It's growing. So we've seen how God's kingdom grows by his power and his process. Now let's look at what life looks like inside of the kingdom. So we look at the next parable if you move up. Verses 24 to 25. Again, this is a familiar parable to many of us, but uh, unfortunately it gets confusing really quick. Literally, Jesus says, with the measure you measure, it will be measured to you. What? (laughs) Simply put, uh, Jesus is saying in his kingdom, the extent to which you give is the extent to which you will receive. So if you measure out a teaspoon to give that away, you probably expect a teaspoon in return. But if you measure out a gallon... Uh, A gallon is what you'll get in return, and still more will be added to you, is what Jesus says. Now, I want to be really careful here. Obviously, many a preacher has twisted this all up and said, sow $100 into my ministry and you'll get 1000 I wish I didn't even have to go there, but you could see how, from what Jesus said, maybe people get there, but we know that's all wrong. So God knows our heart. And so if, in the, if your goal in, in giving is, is, I know what I get on the other side, uh, you've missed the whole point. And Jesus knows that. He won't be mocked. That's why we've got to take this one step farther and not just apply it to material things, but go beyond that. Let's talk about life in the kingdom. Take forgiveness, for example. Jesus is saying, to the extent to which you forgive, give forgiveness to others is the extent to which you'll be forgiven. Ouch. And you don't believe me? Jesus even said it one time. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you don't forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. Are you measuring out forgiveness in teaspoon little doses? Holding it out from someone? Well, you might only be getting teaspoons back. Jesus wants to give you, though, that. He wants to give you a forgiveness waterfall. Trust me. How about your marriage? Now, that's a tricky one, right? Uh, We all want to get something out of our marriage. That's why we get married. So we try to take it. Uh, and we're often left frustrated. Our love is conditional. I'll, I give selfishly. I give up to a certain point, a certain measure I'll give you, and only to get something in return, and it better be more than what I gave you. And Jesus says, no. Give in your marriage without expecting any, anything in return, and watch what you get. Watch what you receive. And lastly, relationships. Listen, if you only give this much of yourself in a relationship to other people, you don't need to get this much in return. And you'll probably remain cut off, struggling, alone, and frustrated. Now, for us at New City, this applies to us directly in community groups. See, this is a, this is a sermon about seeing display. CBR, community groups. Listen, if you're on the fringe at New City, um, you're going to remain on the fringe until you give yourself in relationship and community. If you're, on, if you're on the fringe in a community group, you're going to stay on the fringe in community group. <laughs> Until you dive in and give yourself uh, in community group. Now, for some of us, this is the most terrifying thing we can ever imagine. Giving myself in a relationship. Being vulnerable. For some of us, it's awkward. For some of us, we just rather hang out with the cool people in our life. And not have to deal with somebody that's kind of weird. Listen, you're all weird. (laughs) And for Jesus, giving yourself away is life. So to summarize everything up to this point, we can say that God's economy in the kingdom is completely different from the world's. Completely opposite. In other words, God's kingdom is completely upside down. 
takes the world and turns it upside down, puts it on its head. The world says in order to get, you go get it. You go take it. It's a dog eat dog world out there. You go get yours, I'll get mine. And maybe I'll give you some if I feel like it. God's kingdom says when you give your life away, that's when you get life. That's when you gain it. And not only that, but as you give it away, you get more and more. That's why he's able to say to, to those of you who have been giving away, more will come to you. But if you're holding on, if you're grasping and holding and not giving anything, even what you have will be taken from you. That's what Jesus says. What are you holding on to so tightly that you're losing your very life, Jesus says. Jesus says, in God's kingdom, you gain your life by giving it away. All right, we've seen that God's kingdom is the long-awaited kingdom. We've seen that it grows by his power and his process. And that life in his kingdom is, give, is, is gained by giving it away. Well, let's turn our attention to the final parable. The king of the kingdom. The king of the kingdom. So look at verses 21 and 22. Now, our translations mislead us greatly right here. Verse 21, it says, is a lamp brought in? It should read something like, does the lamp come in? What's the difference? Well, it's a huge difference. Jesus isn't just talking about any old lamp that's coming in. He specifically says the lamp. And the lamp that he's talking about doesn't get brought in as if it's lifeless and, and needs help. No, no, no. He says this lamp comes of its own accord. Now, that starts to sound a little strange, though, which is why our translations have changed it, because lamps don't walk. I understand that. But it, does, it starts to sound very normal when you recognize what Jesus is talking about, or, or better yet, what, who he is talking about. He's talking about himself. I'm the lamp that has come, and I will not be hidden. I came to be put on a stand for all the world to see. I'm the king, says Jesus. I was hidden and kept secret until right now. Now I'm being made manifest and I'm coming into the light. So this is the story of our king. He came and the world tried to put him under. Tried to put him under a basket, it says in this parable. Tried to put him under the bed, shove him out of the way, sweep him under the rug. But Jesus said, no, I'm the light of the world. You can't snuff me out. You see, as Tim Keller put it, Jesus didn't become a tree. He was hung on a tree. The world thought they dealt with this king by hanging him on that tree, but all they had done is do exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. In verse 21, I came to be put on a stand for all the world to see. That stand is the cross. And for those who saw him, like the centurion at the end, after Jesus breathed his last, they, fi last, they finally got it, saying, Truly, this man was the son of God. Well, but then they put him in the ground. Well, little did they know they just put a seed in the ground that three days later would push through the dirt, defeating death and giving life in the kingdom to all who would believe in him. So the question this morning is, are you in the kingdom? And if you're in the kingdom, are you experiencing all the life that the kingdom would have for you? To some degree, we all have to answer no to at least one of those questions, don't we? I'm, I'm either not in the kingdom or I'm not experiencing all the life that the kingdom would have for me. The great news is moving forward is the same for either one of us, myself included. For either one of us, the way we move forward is Mark 1.15. 
Jesus came. First thing he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Listen, we don't have to prove ourselves to be brought into the kingdom of God or to remain in that kingdom. We get to simply acknowledge that we're not fit for his kingdom. And we place our trust again in Jesus, who was fit for the kingdom. He didn't measure out a small amount of grace and mercy to give to you, did he? As a matter of fact, he didn't measure it out at all. He poured it out. He gave of himself completely to the point of death and not to get anything in return for himself, but to get you, to get me. That's why he did it. That's our king. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, I confess this morning that um, I've not been waiting for your kingdom been waiting for my own. Um, And I confess, Father, that I've been frustrated as I watch your kingdom grow slowly and not according to my plans or the way that I desire for it to grow. And Father, I confess that the life that I've lived in the kingdom is more a life of taking rather than giving. And when I do give, expecting something in return. But Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you're the king. Thank you that you have forgiven us, that The only way into the the kingdom of God is through you. And Father, and I ask now that as we um, sing these last songs, that we would repent and believe the gospel again. The good news that you didn't measure out your grace to us, but you poured it on us um, infinitely. So we thank you for that salvation. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make us believe it more and more. Make these seeds deeply rooted in our hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.